Just, okay. We please welcome Billy Joel, Columbia recording artist, with his band. Hi, I'm Juan Altman. And I'm Dave Dustow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Hi, uh, the band will be out in a little while. I'm gonna <coughs> warm up the pipes. Welcome to Billy Joel A to Z, as today we continue to talk about songs that one might say, after some of the other S's, like scenes from an Italian restaurant or sleeping with the television on, or she's got away, would be considered, and I'm quoting from Gilligan's Island, and the rest. Today's song is one of those. It is the first song and the title track off of Billy Joel's laziest and third album, Street Life Serenade. And he decided to put an R at the end and call this song Street Life Serenader as if it could be any lazier. <laughs> Do you think, does that make it not the title track technically? Excellent point. You, I think it does not. You're absolutely <laughs> right. I don't hear a lot of fans discuss this song, but I guess it's one of Billy's favorites in one way or another since he decided to include it on 1981's Songs in the Attic album, an album that was put together to say, Look what I did before you've heard of me. The live recording of Street Life Serenader for the Songs in the Attic album was performed on July 20th, 1980 at the St. Paul Civic Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. Since there is no, you know, this song, nobody knows about this song. <laughs> we just have to go right to the rankings as we've done with a lot of this stuff ever since uh, what's up with the, the Sometimes a Fantasy. It seems like there's been no information on any of the songs we've been doing in a row. So we'll go to Christopher Bonanno. So I will tell you, Alan Altman, that there is an unbelievable difference between Christopher Bonanno's and Glenn Gamboa today. A surprising, sick difference between these two. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have you do Glenn Gamboa first because the Christopher Bonanno's one is uh, it, it's it's insane. Okay, so then you just said Chris Bonanos is the insane one. So I'm going to guess that he's going super high with the song. And Glenn Gamboa probably puts it at 118. Oh, excellent. Glenn Gamboa, out of 124 songs, puts it at 102. The fans rank it at 84. You can just take a guess where Christopher Bonanos is. It's sick. Okay, okay. 
It's it's sick. It's, it's sick. out there, man. Um, twenty four. Keep going. Fourteen. No, seventeen. Wow, that is uh, that's a shocker, huh? I would say that's an absolute shocker. He says maybe a little too long, and yes, it's about the emptiness of pop starhood, shopping center heroes. But hey, write what you know. A sequel to Piano Man, he says. Once the protagonist is out of the crummy bar and has a couple of albums under his belt, but why it's ranked at seventeen, I don't know. I've never heard this song before. Uh, it's a, a Dave <laughs> just not surprised, uh, not surprising song. I think it's one of those ones where people will be like, "Well, I can definitely see where Dave Juskow has never heard this song before," and it's I don't like it very much. It's not horrible. Again. Uh, you know, I stick by the statement, as everybody says, even a bad Billy Joel song is a good song. But it, it you know, the more I hear it, it, it sounds like a child's song. He just keeps repeating Street Life Serenader as if uh, you were 13 and you're writing a song. Well, it's called Street Life Serenader. And it just keeps going. Street Life Serenader, Street Life Serenader. That's the way it sounds to me. Yeah. So like for it's, you, it's like it's like a row, row, row your boat situation. Exactly. Excellent analogy and a lazy song off a lazy album. Street life serenader never sang on stages, needs no <laughs> orchestration, melody comes easy. Midnight masquerader, <laughs> shopping center hero, child device an hour, new world celebrator. I am looking forward to wrapping up this album <laughs> in the sense of just really going on how lazy all the songs are be- besides the entertainer. Well, I think. When we wrap up this album, to me, this song really sets the stage for the album album, and it works well, like in the whole span of the album. You hear this song as the first track on the album, and it really you hear these elements from it in later songs as a standalone song. It is long and it is slow. And you're wondering, was he just trying to stretch? Yeah. So for me, it kind of goes nowhere. This is the very rare Billy Joel song, especially ones that I haven't heard before or first listening to as embarrassing as that is this is the rare billy joel song that never picks up for me because there's a whole bunch where i'm like i don't know and then he goes to that place which we love billy joel for that never happens here there's never a portion of the song where i'm like oh wait a minute maybe i misjudged it's not like that yeah, right. Because the whole way it's organized, it's just these five verses. They're very simple. There's no chorus, I guess you could say. And there's no bridge. It's just all the same. There's yeah. that musical interlude in the beginning, in, in the middle, which is like, it gets real quiet, this slow piano. Then there's those military drums. And then there are moments when it gets big. There's big like guitar solo happening briefly. But there's no variation in this. Yes, I'd prefer a Mick Jones guitar solo, I think, in here would have uh, really fit the bill. Absolutely. Every song could always be improved by a cool foreigner guitar solo. <laughs> oh, isn't that only the way? But uh, I'm very surprised. I did not know this is on Songs in the Attic either. And it, it, I think the reason it's on Songs in the Attic is because he had to pick some songs from Street Life Serenade. Because I, I don't, this should not be on uh, Songs in the Attic. Well, I think I kind of understand it in that when he plays it live, which isn't that often, but when he plays it live, it does have more power to it. And it's something is pretty cool. And hearing, I guess, Dave Brown on guitar kind of wailing on this song a bit more in the live version than whoever was doing the studio version with him. It, it does make the song better. 
And because this is a classically inspired song, you know, Billy always wants to show, hey, I know classical music. So that's also why I think he wanted to throw this in there to be like, hey, you know, Debussy, look, I'm doing a song like him. Who the hell is Debussy? Claude, Claude Debussy was the French composer that this song was kind of uh, inspired by. Claire de Lune sounds a lot like that musical interlude in the middle of this song, although Billy plays it with a little bit more staccato-ness than the smoothness of Debussy. I think it's weird that Christopher Bonanos said that this was about like a singer who's left the piano man stage and is now have, has a couple albums under his belt because clearly it's about a street performer. It's almost about someone who's worse off than Piano Man. Yeah, he says he Billy Joel himself called this a a celebration of the unsung acapella street corner choirs, which of course he picks up again in the longest time, the longest time. And he says, which I guess is why it's on Songs in the Attic, musically one of the most emotionally satisfying compositions I've ever attempted. I mean, that's really messed up since uh well, I mean, just tell us a lot. I mean, has, has he ever, ever played this live anywhere besides yeah. that one in, that time in Minnesota? <laughs> he played this live 10 times, all from 1974 until 1980. So basically when he did it, four songs in the attic, that was the end. And that year, 1980, he did it like four times before the songs in the attic recording, probably just to get it under his belt a little bit more. So it's only the 94th most played song. It's very rare. But there's an interesting recording of it from May 1974 at Carnegie Hall. That's five months before the album was released. And he just plays the opening music and then the first line. He says, Street Life Serenader. And then some guy in the crowd claps. And Billy says, how do you know that song? I didn't write it yet. (laughs) And then Billy goes, it's hard to hear because the audio is really bad on this recording. But he says something like, I like it. I have to finish writing it. That's all I have. Oh. But it was kind of cool to hear that for some reason, maybe because he was at Carnegie Hall. So he wanted to play something classical inspired. Well, that's that's there's something to that, of course. But I mean, that that guy, obviously, just people just get excited. So it's like even in that live recording and songs in the attic, the crowd does not sound into it. But, you know, they'll clap for anything (laughs) because you're just excited and you're like, well, maybe it'll be great. But I guarantee when he was playing that at wherever he was in Minnesota, they, they don't sound into it. There's something wrong with that recording, too. It's weird. It it sounds like the crowd is kind of talking around it. It's uh, nobody, <laughs> nobody likes this song. I don't think they're, they're all saying, what the hell is this? What's he doing? Yeah. Why is he wasting our time with this? And again, if it was any other musician, you'd probably be all in. But he has so many other better songs that in 19 by, by 1980, you're like, I don't I don't want to play something off the stranger. <laughs> <laughs> The lyrics of this song are are not great, but I do like that one line, Child of Eisenhower. That's kind of a cool line. Well, yeah, I have that bolded, too, because, of course, that's a precursor to We Didn't Start the Fire. He loves talking about that he was alive when Eisenhower was president. I don't know why. he (laughs) He loves it. He can't get enough of it. It's just in a weird place. Midnight Masquerader, Shopping Center Hero, Child of Eisenhower, New World Celebrator. What the hell kind of lyrics are these? Yeah, I think Shopping Center Hero makes you think of these sub- suburbs where he grew up, like Levittown, Hicksville, and Child of Eisenhower. Those are those these towns that grew up, that kind of like sprouted up in the 50s. So for him, it's like that whole guy from the 50s hangs out at the shopping center, sings songs on the street corner like Frank Stallone. 
like Frank Stallone. What the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> in Rocky. He's one of the doo-wop guys in, in Rocky. Oh, he is? He had his brother be one of those doo-wop guys? Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't that funny then? Again, Billy Joel and Sylvester Stallone having a, you know, a kind of mesh together in that same time. They look a little alike. And he probably that was probably his favorite scene in Rocky. The yeah, they, they both have an, an affinity for these guys who sing doo-wop on the street corner. There are two kinds of love that you ought to know. There are two kinds of love. There are two kinds of love. Who are they? I do like the neighborhood jukebox. You know, those guys are singing all the time. That's so weird. He's like, no, I'll put my brother in because these guys used to do that all the time where I grew up in Philadelphia. He used to do that. Billy Joe's like, yeah, he used to do that. He used to do that in Long Island. Same thing, right? <laughs> It's not really the same thing, Bill. You say, it's just Philadelphia. It's, these are mean streets. You talk about Long Island. You're like the Hamptons. Uh, I don't know. It's not the same. But you're, t- <laughs> you're telling you're performing at the Village Green. I don't know. What is that? I don't know. He looks pretty mad. We didn't even have any green in Philly. We had a Village Brown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, had a Dave, we had a Dave Brown. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. You, you mean the guy that played for the Giants? We hate that guy. We're Eagles fans. Oh, we're going all over the place today. All over the place. That was good. I wanted to see how long you keep going with that. I like Billy Joel. I like him a lot. Yeah, maybe we'll play. Uh, what's that? Uh, just, uh, just. Uh, oh, shit, I can't remember. What, what's that called? Uh, November song, right? November song. Is that what? <laughs> Wait, what's the Andrew Dice Clay one again? That we, like the way we was. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll play uh, the way we was. Uh, that's what I was trying to come up with. Damn it, I couldn't. I, Andrew Dice Clay and Sylvester Stallone are very like. But yeah, that child of Eisenhower, he loves talking about it. He loves that historical stuff. For some reason, whenever I hear that line or whenever I sing this song in my head, instead of child of Eisenhower, I always think it's going to be Aphrodite, like child of Aphrodite. It makes no sense. Is that from another song or am I just pulling that out of my brain? Child of Aphrodite. I don't know. That's like the Woody Allen movie, the Mighty Aphrodite. Maybe that's what Mighty Aphrodite. See, now there's another connection to Woody Allen and Billy Joel. We are making all the connections back. Street Life Serenader has bought Billy Joel A to Z in a roundabout fashion of everything we've spoken about in the past year and a half. You know, (laughs) this episode's got everything. (laughs) It's got everything you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Don't tell me you're talking about, ironically, street car named desire in that Simpsons episode. No, it's no, no, that one. Planet, right, of the Planet Apes. of the Apes. This show's got everything. Damn it. Yeah. And was that right? Because I was like street car, street life serenader. Damn it. It was almost it was, there with the connection. Do you remember what the Broadway name was for the musical? Yes. Uh, Stop the world of. Was it Stop the Planet of the Apes? I want to get off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate every ape I, I see, see. From chimpanzee to chimpanzee. <laughs> No, you'll never make a monkey monkey out of me. (laughs) Oh, my God, I was wrong. It was Earth all All along. along. You finally made a monkey. Yes, we finally made a monkey. You finally made a monkey out of me. I love you, Dr. Zayas. (laughs) 
car. <laughs> well, now we're combining those again. Oh my god, we're all over the place. You know, you son of a bitch. I just, I, I just last night before we recorded this, watched the itchy and scratchy Simpsons episode because we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. Oh like, yeah, I can't get enough of it now. So it good. really is the best show. And why wouldn't we talk about this, another Simpsons episode during doing Street Life Serenade or what we were going to talk about? Well, actually, what's really relevant to this is so this is about these doo-wop corner guys. And uh, there was that episode where uh, Homer Simpson was in a doo-wop group, the uh, B-Sharps. Right. No, is, that was a barbershop quartet. Bar- well, same deal, you know, barbershop quartet, doo-wop, same uh, four-part harmony situation going on. You know, speaking of street performers, I was one last night. I was doing this show in Bushwick, actually Ridgewood, Queens, which borders on Bushwick, but it's all just like deserted factories and graffiti everywhere. And it was outside on the sidewalk outside of a brewery. So and there's not a lot of foot traffic here. So you have just like the 10 people that are there to watch the show. But then once in a while, some random scary Brooklyn person will go right in front of you where you're talking in between you and the audience. So I was in the middle of a joke. And then these three like street punk kids, they're like 12 years old, rode by on bicycles right in front of me. And the first one goes, funny stuff. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> then the next one goes, yeah, that's funny. I like it. And then the third one goes, I go, what, what's your review? He goes, really funny. So they, they were really nice. So the show was outside. Then. It was outside because it was oh. nice out. So they put it out on the sidewalk. Oh, they, but that, it wasn't supposed to be outside. They just put it out because it was nice out. I've done it in the past where it was inside the brewery. This time they said, let's put it on the sidewalk. But you have all these weird things. Buses go by and like the bus driver will roll down his window to like listen for a minute. Oh, that's funny. Some guy parked his car and was like, can I get a beer if I sit in my car and watch the show? We were like, oh, wow. yeah. Wow. So he was just drinking in his driver's seat. You're almost making me think that Bushwick is a good time, but it's not, folks. I promise you it's a bad place. It's a good time if you there. get out before it's dark. Right. Right. Okay. So as long as we're on the same page on that, that sounds like a fun show. <laughs> the kids. It was. Like, yeah. Hey, funny stuff. That 12 year old thought I was good. That's when you go back to the guy and he's like, I don't know, Alon, that wasn't a great set. Well, the 12 year old said it was good. All three of them, in fact. <laughs> and that guy in the car drinking the beer, they all liked it. And that bus driver. Yes. But the audience, I don't know. Oh, so listen to this. After I left the show early after my set, I was looking on Instagram. Someone who was at the show posted a story where the cops are literally they have a guy pinned to the sidewalk, arresting him with cuffs behind his back, three feet away from where the stage was set up. Oh, and wow. I think I can't tell, but it looked like it was the guy who was sitting in the car drinking. Oh, no. Oh, that's hilarious. And, and hilarious. he was kind of a rowdy audience member. I, I don't know what the heck happened later in the show, but I think he might have gotten arrested <laughs> while the show just kept going on. Wow. See, that's a true city story. You know, I have I mean, I think I've even. I think I've told this on the show before, you know, when you hang out at the comedy cellar, as you know, before those sheds and everything, you were basically hanging out on the street corner like a doo-wop group. (laughs) You know, all the comics hang out on this street corner on McDougal Street. And it's a true corner. It's on the corner of Minetta Lane and McDougal Street. And so one time I was dating this girl and she was, I don't know, in her 20s and I was already 40. And um, she was telling her friends, she's like, uh, he told me to go meet him on the corner on McDougal and Minetta Lane. And you're like, what are you talking about? Like, what you mean? Like, he works there? Like, no, no, he just hangs out on the street corner. And they're like, what? Yeah, he, he told me just meet him on the corner. <laughs> like, <laughs> like um, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Like something like right out of the 1930s where it's just, yeah, meet me on the street corner. Uh, Cause that's, yeah. but it was true. That's where we all hang out. Right. You know how you hang out outside yeah. the club and yeah. 
but we but we actually I think during that day and I wasn't doing it on purpose for that girl. I think we were actually pitching pennies. <laughs> well, that is like the 30s. Exactly. The only <laughs> thing I needed was a hat and those half gloves that Sylvester Sloan wears in Rocky, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they were in, like Oliver wears in uh, London. You know, yeah. Easier or, for pickpockets. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was pitching pennies that day, I think, with the guys. I don't I remember like, well, now we've gone full circle. Now we really are hanging out on the street corner. I think that's in Annie Hall, too. He goes, oh, you, the guy picks you up at the, the movie theater, you know, uh, on a Saturday night. So, yeah. so well, here's what I want to know. What, what? What, am I your first big romance? Oh, no, no, no. Uh-uh, no. Really? Who, who was? Oh, well, let's see. There was Dennis from Chippewa Falls High School. Dennis, right? The local kid probably would meet you in front of the movie house on Saturday night. Oh, God, you should have seen what I looked like then. Oh, I can imagine. Probably the wife of an astronaut. I can't remember. The same thing. Picks you up at the corner of the movie theater. <laughs> or it's like that Seinfeld where Elaine finds out she's dating a homeless guy. Right. Right. Except he has a house, so I don't know how that's homeless. Yeah, they call him homeless. He's got a place. He was just really poor. That was it. He, she was like, is he oh, poor? Oh, yeah, he was just poor. Right, right. Because he had a place because he was getting firewood for the... Well, but then wasn't he also married? Wasn't yeah, was the... he? Or it was like yeah. a social worker was coming social by. She thought he was married. In. Yeah, something like that. But he was. But I think he was married. Because she was like willing to date a poor guy. But then it turned out he was married. Yeah, yeah. Poor Elaine. Will she ever when will win? She... <laughs> 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 when will she find love? Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? Well, listen, this is Streetlight Serenader uh, doing the best I can here. So here it is. This is stupid. In 1982, this band would release their debut album entitled Dawn Patrol. On that album, in a classic twist from what Billy Joel did, having Streetlight Serenader be the first song off Streetlight Serenade, this band's last song on the album was just a song of the band's name. <laughs> they were even lazier. <laughs> Two years later, this band would have a massive hit with the song Sister Christian. What is the name of the band who had the goal to write a song about themselves and stick it at the end of their first album? Is that Night Ranger? It is. <laughs> well done. You believe these guys? It would be like uh, Billy Joel just putting a song called Billy Joel like A.J. Smith did. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know who did it? Bad Company. Bad Company did it. Um, I think Black Sabbath did it, too. Who else? Uh, there's, there's probably there's a, a few couple. other good examples. Yeah. So the follow up on this is that like Billy with boats and oceans and stuff like that, these guys are obsessed with World War Two planes. So they have a whole bunch of references to that kind of stuff on their like, especially their song Sentimental Street, ironically, like Street Life Zerny. Their video has them. They're Amelia Earhart and they get lost at sea in the video. But they do a lot of songs about World War Two planes, the way Billy do Joel does songs about oceans and water and maritime rules. <laughs> <laughs> I bet their favorite band is the B-52s. Hey, oh, <laughs> Night Ranger, an embarrassment for all of us. <laughs> Although I didn't like that Sister Christian song, as you know, you and I can't appreciate that song. 
But I did like uh, when you close your eyes, do you dream about me? <laughs> a 1980s power ballad going all the way back to 1984 with Night Ranger. I love the radio voice. I, th- I feel like Night Ranger was like a, the name of a World War II plane or something like that. That's- yeah, it's probably like the nickname of a, a pilot ace in World War One. See, they like history, too. So I wonder if uh, I can't remember the lead guy in that band is, but. I wonder if him and Billy Joel ever met up. Feels like he must have met all those hair bands in the 80s at some point. Yeah, they're probably like, listen, Billy, we can't say this outwardly, but we love you. Right, right. Oh, I understand, fellas. But you see, I'll outlive all of your music anyway. So good luck to you. Yeah, he's like, I'll be selling out the garden. You'll be working in a garden. (laughs) Exactly. And that is exactly what happened to all of those bands, except for Bon Jovi. They somehow have maintained their whatever it is. Over all these years, they still tour and sell out. They don't have to open for anybody. They don't have to go on with another band. They still make albums. It's sick. They were the ones. I don't know why. I don't know how. But I think it had to do with that Slippery When Wet album. That was the album to end all hairband albums. Just had multiple hits, not just one that every hairband had. Massive. You know? Yeah, massive. And, album. Then, and then they had follow up hits. You know, they kept going. They they were around for a decade before people realized Bon Jovi's still around. Yeah. And then they had like It's My Life in 2000. It's that's My Life like- was a huge comeback too. like not even a comeback. They're just like, right. They had another hit. What is that? 20 years later in 2000. Exactly. And no, none of the other hair bands survived like that. Cinderella or Skid Row or, you know, any of those ones, you know, even White Snake and places people like that. It's crazy yeah so alan do you have a trivia question for me that's just as stupid as the one i gave you yeah i do but you'll like the subject matter my question is what james bond actor had a brief stint as a fire-eating street performer in his real life that doesn't make any sense. Oh, what James Bond actor or is the guy who plays James the Bond? Guy who, one of the guys who plays James Bond oh, okay. was once a fire-eating street performer, very briefly. Doesn't make any sense. I mean, I want to say George Lazenby because he's the worst one, but um, he was a male model. Why would he do that? Who could it be? Why would anybody do that? It can't be Pierce Bronson. Timothy Dalton? <laughs> no, no. I, I mean... Who? It's Pierce Brosnan. It was? When he was 16, he went to some workshop where some guy was demonstrating how to eat fire and he learned how to do it. And apparently he did it on the street. I'm not sure how long, but he did. I think in Octopussy, they uh, do something with that. And when they're in India, they have a bunch of I know they have people sitting on the hot coals. They have a whole bunch of hilarity gags of Indian people doing stuff. As a matter of fact, this uh, tennis player, VJ, something who's in the movie and playing a spy. He yeah. plays the snake charming flute or whatever that is to the Bond theme. It was so ridiculous. <laughs> Meanwhile, I can't get enough of that movie. I hate myself for liking it. I worship Roger Moore and I wish he was still alive and I wish I got to meet him. Charming tune. You do take English money. Only gold sovereign. I'm Vijay. 
special expediter, Universal Exports. Welcome to India, Commander Bond. I would never have guessed that. I would never have thought it was Pierce Brosnan. He just seems too cool and too sophisticated to, and that's why it was a tough. That was a good question. I never would have guessed that. It had to be somebody like I, maybe you could see Sean Connery doing that because I feel like he didn't grow up successful and rich. But I feel like Pierce Bronson, the way he is, he just kind of grew up, you know, wealthy and successful and well-trained. And I, I don't know. That's why it's a, that's an interesting one. Yeah, that's the image he gives off. I guess, actually, if I was going to guess, I would have said Daniel Craig because he seems like a working class kind of guy. Yeah, exactly. But then I was like, nah, I would have heard that because he's so relevant right now it seemed like i would have heard that already so i didn't pick him for a minute yeah that's that's crazy what do you suppose a handsome fellow like that would need to do that i don't know imagine he burned off his eyebrows and then was just like yeah because that, that's, that's the way i'm thinking about it i'm like when you're that good looking what do you need to do that nonsense for it seems like people just give you money for being great looking yeah but that's the way me and my sister think of life so <laughs> apparently it's very difficult being a hot girl you don't know the struggle we have. Apparently. Yeah, I was talking to this girl who's really, really pretty like two days ago. And she goes, and she says, because people are mad, she goes, it's not my face. It's, it's not my fault. I was blessed with this face and this body. I, I can't help it. It's funny that she's trying to justify like being hot, you know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, it's a tragedy. It's a hopefully in the next life, you'll be ugly like the rest of us. <laughs> Elon, I cannot. This song is not in my head. I don't remember how the melody goes. Good luck. I think I think it bends itself to a parody, but I, I can't remember the uh, melody. So I'll be very impressed when you do. Well, it barely has a melody. So honestly, I could say anything and you'd be like, yeah, that's the song, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't know the difference. But uh, what do you have for us today? Weird OK, Elon. so Weird Elon parody for Street Life Serenader is... Meatloaf Microwaver. I was going to say, I, when you said it, I was like, ooh, this sounds good. And I love the meatloaf. I was going to say meatloaf marinator. Oh, that could work too. Yeah. And by the way, the first version I wrote was called meatloaf impersonator. <laughs> oh, that's good too, right? <laughs> that's funny. All right. So I, I had a feeling this would be a, a good parody song. Meatloaf Microwaver. Let's take a listen. Meatloaf Microwaver Didn't cook no dinner The inside is still frozen Outside's a burning sun Meatloaf Microwaver Drier than a desert Cover it with ketchup. Make it go down easy. Hey, now. That was awful, but it wasn't <laughs> your fault. That is a horrible song to parody. It's not, this is not your fault in any way. It's like just no fun whatsoever. I mean, it you know, it makes fun. it hard. Not even that the melody is what it is, but the lines are all so short. You can't even fit in enough of like a parody. Each line is like four syllables. Yeah, you know, but it was a true testament that you're like, well, this is what I do. I'm going to make it work. And Thanks. in that sense, meatloaf makes a lot of sense because it's like a working class food. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for guys on the street corner. Yeah. Uh, do oh, you want to hear God. meatloaf impersonator? 
Oh, you, you sure? Why not? As well. I wish you could you do it to a different melody. That's the issue. <laughs> to row, row, row your boat. Give us the first line, the first uh, verse. Meatloaf impersonator. Grow your hair out longer. Don't need to watch your diet. Do bad out of hell nightly. <laughs> we need more Bort license plates in the gift shop. I repeat, we are sold out of Bort license plates. Oh, boy. It's, again, <laughs> it's worse. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not worse. It's just it's the melody. It just doesn't work for a parody in any way. It's, uh, it's tough, man. Yeah, that's a bad one. That's a bad Billy Joel song in a very lazy album. <laughs> but again, one day I'm just going to sit and listen to this whole album in my car and see and just put it on as a whole, maybe before we do the wrap up for it and see if it see what it's like just listening to it as a whole, listening to it as a whole album and see if I'm really just sitting there going like, wow, he just gave up. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'll feel that way. I think you'll see that it's sort of a concept album. That's what I'm hoping. And the concept is songs Dave Juskow doesn't like. <laughs> Clearly. Well, folks, that was Street Life Serenader. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Is Christopher Bananos earning his crazy nickname by putting this at number 17? He's got it in the top 20 of Billy Joel songs of all time. What is with this guy? <laughs> Are you a child of Eisenhower? <laughs> Dave almost is. Shut up. Dare you. <laughs> do you think this is a good choice for songs in the attic? And do you put ketchup on your meatloaf? Oh, my mother used to do that. It's awful. That does not disguise the taste. Well, I don't know. I don't eat meatloaf, so I can uh, I cannot say myself. Yeah. Well, she used to make it for us and she tried various different ways to do it, but it just turns out she stinks at meatloaf. If I have meatloaf in a diner, it's delicious. Isn't it just a meatball that's longer? I don't know. My mother's uh, the worst cook in the history of cooks. Is your mother a worse cook than Dave Juskow's mom, Rhoda? That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Write in and let us know. Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Street life.